Hello and welcome to episode 30 of the How to Become a Personal Trainer podcast. We are your hosts, Mike Vacanti. My name is Jordan Syatt, and this was one of my favorite episodes we've ever done. I agree. So this was basically a Q&A style episode in which we got a bunch of questions from listeners, and we just go through. We fire through about four of them. Today. Four of them. Yep. So we've got four a bunch saved questions. up. Great questions about scaling your business, about um, website, about articles, writing, objectification of your body on social media. We got some really good stuff going. It's a good episode. Enjoy. It's been a while since we did it in person. I know. Let's just run this raw. Big J, how you doing? (laughs) Jordan and I are in person for the first podcast in a long, long time. And so we did our pre-podcast handshake. That's been missing on Skype. I know. I know. It's good to be back in person, New York City, ready to do the podcast live. We got a good amount of questions, which I'm excited about. We got some questions. Jordan and I are both extremely active on our Instagram pages. (laughs) And Jordan posted a Q&A to get some. So follow us at Syatt Fitness and Mike Vacanti. Uh, Jordan posted on your story to get some questions. And we got probably 100 questions. Really good, high-quality questions. Which we were both stoked about. Well, actually, we'll give a little background. Mike and I, we were on a business trip because we're writing a book, which we can't tell you the title of yet, but it is the best title of a fitness book that I've ever seen, which we're super excited about. Yes. Um, We're not sure on a release date yet, probably within a year or so, around a year or so. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're working on that. And while we were in some downtime, I put up a Q&A just being like, hey, if you have any questions about uh, coaching, strength coaching, nutrition coaching, fitness, business, anything, just shoot me a question here. And it was phenomenal. Like to every- Really good questions. We got so many great, well thought out questions so we're really excited to go through. It'll give us podcast ideas and topics for weeks and months to come, but I'll be doing more of those Q&As and, and Mike might as well. So follow us. And then if you see one of those Q&As come up on the story, feel free to plug your question in and and uh, we won't we won't use your name. We won't use your name or handle just because we don't want to put anyone on the spot, but we'll, we'll read basically every question out that was really good and, and, and go in depth. Yeah. We got a few here is, and we got a little time. I'm coaching Gary in about an hour and then got dinner with the boys. Yep. Yep. Dinner at Rico's tonight. Yeah. Um, anything we want to talk about? The only thing I wanted to mention is that that sleep schedule I mentioned, we haven't podcasted in a little while. Oh yeah. It's been two weeks now, right? One week, two weeks. It's been, we took a week off, but that was also, we did that one a little bit early. Oh yeah. 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 So yeah, I forgot. Yeah. That lasted about three days max (laughs) and nature set me back to a slightly more normal, like, you know, midnight to 9am kind of. That's good. Kind of deal. Yeah. So you're going to bed around 11, 12? Just, just for anyone who might've listened to me and wanted to take that as something they should apply to their own lives, like a a. 5am to 2pm sleep schedule. (laughs) It's not, it's not right. It's not right. (laughs) Didn't work well. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting a lot of sleep. Things are going well. All right. Jordan signed up for, uh, or is that? Still public? waiting to hear it. Okay. I think they're just overloaded with applications because of the first jujitsu competition since March. Mm. So, I, and it's, it's the second biggest jujitsu competition of the year. So they have 
Worlds, which is the biggest, Pan Ams, which is the second biggest, and they have a bunch of smaller ones. So this is like the second biggest one of the year. And I'm hoping I get into it. If I don't, then I'll try and get into Worlds, which should be a month or so after that. Okay. So yeah, cutting cool. weight. I'm, I'm about 12 pounds down from when I started the mini cut. That's awesome. I'm feeling good. The first thing when you walked in the door, I was like, you look lean. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. You look good. Feel good. I've been doing the assault bike, the assault bike. Uh-huh. I'll tell you, I was never a home workout person. I, I never liked the idea of home workouts. I did them sometimes, but they were always lower intensity and I never really felt good about it. Mm-hmm. But with everything going on and outfitting my home gym, like I'm loving them. I'm canceling my membership at Lifetime. Awesome. Uh, if like, anyone from Lifetime hears this, like, they're going to be like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but like canceling it, I'm loving the home workouts. The assault bike is awful, like amazing and awful at the same time, but it's incredible. Like, that's great. Super excited about it. Good for you. Yeah. I'm glad that's going well. Yeah. You have a nice little setup there. Nice, nice little drink mini fridge too. Oh like yeah. That. The mini fridge is the best part. Yeah. Yeah. I love the mini fridge. I got some, some heavy med balls today. Mm. Some like heavy, heavy med balls, not to slam or throw at the wall, but literally just for conditioning, like just picking it up, putting it down, shouldering, pick up, put down, put, pick up, put down, just like pick, just, it's so funny. Just like the simplest exercises, just picking something up. Mm-hmm. You do that for a minute straight, like with a 40 pound med ball, it's going to be tough. Oh man. Right? I didn't even know they made 40 pound med balls. They have, I saw up to a hundred. Wow. Yeah, but I was like, I'm not going to have a 100-pound med ball in my apartment on the high up in the building. That's the equivalent of when when Gary had me outfit his home gym and I bought 100 kg <laughs> plates. <laughs> <laughs> we had to move them all the way from the, from the garage through the dining room where they're like, don't hit anything, yeah. don't drop anything. <laughs> it was so ambitious. Those were so heavy. The 100, yeah, those were so, so heavy. Oh, man. Well, good. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad home workouts are going well. Yeah, I'm stoked, man. Feel, gym, like, my gym. fitness is is the best it's been since I stopped powerlifting. Good for you. Yeah, good for you. Should we get into the Q and A? Let's get into the Q and A. Uh, the first one is is an interesting kind of business question that we've talked about on on a decent number of Q and As in the mentorship, and we've spoken to everyone in the mentorship in some detail about this. But I feel like it's a good one to talk about here, which is. Should you solidify your one-on-one coaching before adding a low-cost membership like the Inner Circle? Mm, that's a really good question. Do you want to go off on it or you want me to? Yeah, since I have an Inner Circle that's so successful and extensive. <laughs> oh, <shut> <laughs> <up>. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll let you start on this one just because. Okay. So I know Mike and I agree on this 100%. We've spoken about this a lot in the mentorship. Uh, I don't know if we've spoken about it on the podcast yet. I don't know if we have either. Uh, it's a good topic though. And I think it's important to discuss because a lot of people get into the online fitness world because they want to quote unquote scale their business. They want a quote unquote scalable business that they can have a lot of people in and not pay much attention to. And I think we should just clear this out of the air right away. Um, if that's your goal, so that you can have a big business that you don't have to really work that hard on, you're you're messing up from the beginning. Find a new podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it is to create a, and I'm putting this in quotes, like the quote unquote scalable, it's almost funny. And I think Gary's quote is is the best, like scale the unscalable, mm-hmm. where it's just, it, it goes to the effect of like, you can try and scale all you want and you can have better systems to make things easier and, and less, um, less uh, tedious, but 
you can never scale a business entirely to the point of like really not doing anything. It's just not how it works. Mm -hmm. And I, we hear this term passive income and we hear this like scalable revenue, it's the, which gives off the impression of, of easy money. And it's not how it works. And Mike and I are both very much strong believers in starting, building up your one-on-one -on -one to the point in which you no longer want to add more one-on-one -on -one clients before you begin something more membership-based. Mm -hmm. Where for for a number of reasons, and we'll start off with we'll start off with uh, probably the one that people are most interested in, which is we'll talk about money, right? Like I think a lot of people are. Let's talk about money, and we can talk about yeah. coaching experience after, but. Um, when you're doing one-on-one -on -one coaching, the, the main reason I was able to do the, in, the inner circle in December of 2015 is when I started it. December of 2015, I started my website in July of 2011. The main reason I was able to do the inner circle is because I had spent all of the years prior to that doing one-on-one -on -one and saving money. Mm -hmm. I did not spend a lot of money. I, I did one-on-one -on -one coaching and I saved a lot of money so that I was okay with losing some one-on-one -on -one clients because I knew I had enough saved where even if I lost some in that process of transferring over to a membership, it was going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And if you just start off right off the bat trying to do a membership, it's not, you're not going to, I mean, maybe if you have a ton of followers and a very engaged audience, maybe you'll get a thousand people right off the bat. That's not what happened to me. It was grueling. It was, it was really, really difficult. And, and what you just described isn't going to happen to anyone, yeah, by the way. Exactly. Um, when you're doing one-on-one -on -one coaching, you're charging more per individual, right? So maybe you're charging 200 a month, 250, 300, whatever it is. When you're doing a membership, it's lower cost. So a lot of people think, oh, because it's lower cost, people are going to sign up. That's not, that's not how it works. If you can, I swear to God, if I can get someone to sign up for 25 bucks, I could get someone to sign up for 200 bucks. It's like, it's not the process. It's not the, the price that makes the difference. It's whether or not they actually want to pay you period. Mm -hmm. And when you're starting a membership and you're expecting to have a lot of people in there, it's going to take a long time. So I see a lot of people try and start these membership sites and they'll have like five, 10, 15, 20 people in there for $20 a pop or something. And they start to resent those people because they're essentially giving one-on-one -on -one coaching service to each of those people when if they had just done legitimate one-on-one -on -one coaching for a higher price point, they would have been making more money and been doing a better job as a coach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very well said. You're you're not like this fantasy that because it's 10x cheaper, mm. 10x more people will sign up doesn't play out yeah. in the numbers, especially because the longer you consistently work all else equal the larger your audience is mm -hmm. and you need a real audience to to launch a membership site so that um it can at least in a decent amount of time ramp up to the point where it's it's covering a decent amount of your monthly expenses correct like what you just mentioned that scenario where you launch a membership site and let's say for the first year you know maybe you launch it and 11 people sign up and for the first year you you have some signups and you have some cancellations, but you never get above 20 people. Mm -hmm. Just the way that most people coach and interact, you're you're going to end up giving an unbelievable service to these people that is going to lead to resentment because it's equivalent to what someone could get one-on-one -on -one from you. Exactly. Um, and, and that's just the money side of things. Like Exactly. The There's a lot more. Online coaching, the more you do it... Um, First of all, you get you get put in situations. We've we've mentioned a million times an online coach doesn't make you a better in-person coach. Being a, a better in-person coach makes you a better online coach. 
That is 100% true. Being and getting experience online coaching, though, what that still does is makes you a better online coach. Correct. The more you do online coaching, the more you learn, the more you're put in different situations, the more you need to, to dig deep on a certain topic for an hour or two and research something that's unfamiliar to you, mm-hmm. uh, the more experience you're going to have interacting with people. Um, you're You're going to become a better coach through that process. You're going to get more effective and more efficient at coaching. I've talked about how overwhelmed I was when I had my first five online clients and then, you know, 10 times that number of clients ended up feeling like less stress, less work, just because, you know, years later through that experience, through building systems, you get to a point where, um, you know, the experience just makes you better. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's a big advantage. There's also like, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to explain this, but it has something to do with the ratio between audience size and how many people you can have paying you for a service and then how that translates into being a living wage, mm-hmm. right? So let's just use a simple example. If you have 300 Instagram followers and maybe you have a website with a handful of articles and and you're getting the ball rolling and maybe you don't have any clients yet. Um, you could have, you can have five, six, eight clients in a reasonable amount of time. And if they're paying you $200, $250 a month, that's real money. Mm-hmm. That's that's covering a substantial portion of your bills if if not like, you know, close to all of them. With that same audience size, you can't generate that amount of income from an inner circle, from a $20 a month price point service. Correct. Yeah, that's exactly right. The The other thing that I'll say is sort of just to stack on top of what Mike was saying about the experience is if I had started the inner circle from the very beginning, aside from it not working, from not having the funds to support myself, aside from not having the audience to actually like get people to sign up, is the experience that I had from coaching one-on-one is what made the inner circle work. The experience that I had from coaching one-on-one clients for years and years and years even th- there was a huge learning curve. There was already a huge learning curve to go to the membership site. And and I went through a lot of trial and errors, a lot of mistakes. Um, I made a lot of mistakes. Like, And that, that might be a whole separate episode altogether. Um, mm-hmm. I've spoken a lot about it in the, in the mentorship. But the what you learn from coaching people one-on-one, whether it's from actual coaching people, what you learn from the communication of coaching people, or even the content creation side, the systems management side, the things that you learn from doing that will carry over to the membership. If you just start cold turkey, it's going to be really, 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 it's going to be way more, it's already a hell of a ride mm-hmm. and you're going to be in for more of a ride. Like just in that, it's, I, I would not recommend starting off going for a membership. I would start, I would recommend building up your one-on-one until the point where you're financially comfortable and independent and where you no longer want to take on more one-on-ones. That's where I would draw the line. Once you're at that point, then you can start to build a membership site and and have it and and get ready for the two, three, four, five year ride of building that because it's a completely separate business and an entirely different business model. But at least then you'll have the buffer to work with. And and I would even call it the option. You earn the option to mm. do that because, I mean, I'm I'm pretty capped with online coaching clients right now. I'm comfortable with where I am. Um, I don't have a desire to build out another revenue stream, another service, another 
thing. Like that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't sound fun. That doesn't appeal to me at this point. Um, so you, you get, you earn through enough time and work and coaching enough people, you earn the option to launch something like that. Yeah. And as always, you don't have to take our advice. You can, you can launch a membership site straight out of the gate. Um, and, and maybe, maybe we can do a, an in-depth episode on that at some point, yeah. not launch it straight out of the gate, but just like the how to the membership that. side. Yeah. You know, I, I will say that everyone, when they think about a membership site, they just think about, oh man, think about how many people will sign up. Think about how many people will sign up because the cost is so low. Well, aside from that thought process being flawed and it doesn't work out like that, just because it's low price doesn't, just because something is low cost doesn't mean people are going to buy it. Like it's just not how it works. Mm-hmm. If people are going to buy something because they think it's it's valuable and helpful, period. Um, but no one really thinks about the cancellations. Like people have, they might think, oh man, this must be getting so many signups for for the inner circle. It's like, do you know how many cancellations I get on a daily basis? Mm-hmm. It's like you have to. It's both sides of the coin. It's not just about getting new people to sign up. It's also about making sure they stay in there, mm-hmm. making sure that you do your job to retain them, to make sure you're giving them every. People are like. The number of, of business coaches and people who tell me, I can't believe that you just give everything to your inner circle for free. I'm like, of course I do. Because they're like, you should, the people who already pay you are more likely to pay you more. I'm like, yeah, maybe they'll pay me more if I like charge them for extra programs. Mm-hmm. But I bet they'll stay in the inner circle longer if I give them every new program I make for free. Mm-hmm. And so I mean, the, the cancellation side of it is, is devastating. It's when, when you have a higher number of people in something, you're going to have more people canceling. It's just, it's a numbers game. And I remember when I first started, it took me several years of when I would see people canceling from the inner circle for me to, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm numb to it, but it's sort of like the scale, right? When you're like, Mm -hmm. you're looking at the scale, you see the scale spike up, you get really upset about it. It takes time to understand it's just data. It's like, I would get so upset if I saw someone canceled from the inner circle. And then the more people that joined, it was like, instead of, one a day, it was two a day. And so two a day, it was four a day. And I was like, oh my God. But then you look at the overall numbers and you see, okay, on average, you have this many people signing up per day, this many people canceling a day. So it's a net positive of this. Mm -hmm. So you can be okay with that. But people only think about, oh, you have this many followers. You must be getting this much signups. It's like, you, if you saw the number of cancellations, it's like, you wouldn't be very happy about it. Like you wouldn't be so like, oh, this is going to be easy because it's not. Yeah. I wonder something else we, we, could kick around at some point is, is it necessary to have a person? So it seems to me not necessary to have a personal brand or we'll say like not a very big personal brand and you can still be a very successful online coach Mm -hmm. as your your full-time job. Absolutely. I wonder if the same is true for a membership site and or if if there's more reward to having to like working on your brand and growing your audience for a membership site than there is for coaching. Yeah. I mean, for, cause for one-on-one coaching, I think one of the greatest benefits of, of where we're at right now is like, we basically know we could forever have 30, 40, 50, 60 clients one-on-one and be okay. Mm-hmm. And that'd be totally fine. No, yep. it would not be a problem. Yep. Um, and I think, the reality is the the cool, especially seeing a lot of the mentorship is like anyone can get there. Like any coach with good intent and good coaching can get to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't need that big of a personal brand to do that. 
It's not like you don't, you can work a lot of referrals off of people staying on as clients without canceling. It's like, if you have a really good one-on-one service, it doesn't take that much. Mm -hmm. Building a membership site, I think is different. It's just by nature of it being a membership site, you're going to have higher churn. Like that's just part of, of that process. And, and just, you need 10 more times people. more signups exactly. to, to meet the same, you exactly. know, if we're going to be apples to apples. And then, and you could talk about different strategies to get new signups, whether it's purely organic through your brand, whether it's through advertising, combination of the two, whatever it is. But if you want a higher number, uh, a higher level membership, then yeah, you, you need significantly more people and you need more of a brand. Whether it's more personal, it maybe maybe it doesn't include your name, but I do think having a personal brand is going to be more beneficial and lead to a, more people signing up than just having a, a general brand that doesn't have your name or face on it. Yeah. And, and I think the people buy coaches, not coaching, right. ap- applies to membership. Like whether it's you or, or someone else, I would imagine the majority of people who sign up do it because they like the person or people running it. They're not doing Correct. it because they, you know, they got a, an advertisement to something that's like, oh, it's a fat loss membership. Like, yeah. I need to lose fat. I'll just <laughs> sign up for this. That's exactly right. That's why, and this is a separate topic, but I, I was just talking to someone the other day. They were like, yeah, I'm thinking about starting Facebook ads. And I was like, and I was looking at their page. They didn't have many followers. Like they were telling me they didn't have many clients yet. I'm like, stop, don't do Facebook ads yet. Like, number one, you have no idea how to make an ad. Like you bear, you don't know how to make content, Never mind an ad. And an ad is way more difficult to make, way more skillful. Um, it'd be like if someone was like, yeah, I'm going to go to the, if someone's just starting to go to the gym. They're like, I think I'm going to compete in Olympic lifting competition, but they've literally never lifted a barbell in their life. It's like, well, first let's just teach you how to lift weights. And then we can talk about getting into that. Yeah. A lot of people are like, oh, I'm going to start making ads. So you don't understand making an ad is a, is an art. It is a skill. It's very difficult. And if you're just trying to make ads just because you think paying for an ad is going to get more people to sign up for your coaching or membership or whatever, you're out of your mind. Right. Start and, off with content first. And if you don't have an audience and you want to get into making ads, then you're essentially trying to convert cold traffic. Which is <laughs> so hard. <laughs> <laughs> like that's like the elite. It's it's like a if I'm right about this, it's like a niche of even the copywriting world. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's brutal. To, which is why creating a personal brand is so helpful where it's like, so ideally you have f- you need less and less. There, there are less people who don't know you. There are fewer and fewer people who don't know you. Or so your entire strategy is based around getting them to know you first. Mm-hmm. And then once they know you, then selling them. That's the whole yeah. purpose behind email sequencing, where it's yeah. like, you might get people in there for something free when they don't know it's you. It's the whole purpose behind content. It's it. That's <laughs> literally it. It, it. From from a content marketing perspective, from making content to make more money, the whole purpose is so that you don't need to do cold cold uh, conversions. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. We got, a, we got a more questions. So we kind of went in on that one, but- feel like that was a good subject, good discussion. Let us know if you liked that discussion. We're going to number two right here. How long did it take you from idea to action to start your business? You want to start with that one? Great question. I will. All of these questions. Yeah. Shout out to all the question askers. Uh, I remember thinking, so I was sitting in a training at a a prestigious big four accounting firm. (laughs) In Minneapolis, Minnesota, sitting in a training about who knows what. (laughs) Literally, like they bring in people from different cities. The training was held at Minneapolis. And I was sitting next to my buddy, Matt Wilson. 
And uh, were you drinking a protein shake, getting your aminos in? Dude, I don't even remember. This was 2010. Oh, wow. Either 2010 or 2011. Okay. And, uh, you know, I was probably back back in those days, I would have like half a turkey sandwich, but I would stack it like with two inches of turkey. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I was just starting to try and hit those protein numbers. But I was uh, I was talking to him kind of quietly about this and had a spreadsheet going at the time. And, and my thought process was that I was going to have an app or like a, like a calculator type thing is how I envisioned it. Like people fill out a survey and then based on their information, it matches them up with a, an athlete or a celebrity. And then, <laughs> and then they like get automatically sent that person's workout plan. <laughs> and I just thought that I'd be able to like, you know, scrub the internet or do interviews or like meet people and figure out like Adrian Peterson's workout or like Brad Pitt and Fight Club. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, Christian Bale, Batman and have this, you know, hundreds of celebrity actor workout programs. And then people would sign up take a questionnaire and then it would be like, this is, and it would match them up. And I just, I thought this was the coolest idea. And then that morphed into something else that morphed into something else. And then, you know, I I remember probably a year after that coming across JC Dean's blog Mm. seeing like, oh, he's writing about stuff that I know about, Right. you know, I had read the same people that he had read. And, uh, and I was like, wait, he, he sells programs and he offers coaching and people, who read this blog and then they might sign up for this. I was like, wow, this is crazy. Like, this is what I should do. Forget yeah. the Brad Pitt app. Like, <laughs> that's, that's a dumb idea. And, and so that was probably 2011. And, uh, and then I, I, for my own, you know, level of comfort, I had to get myself in a place where I had enough savings. And so between spending as little as possible, working this full-time job as an auditor and uh, and with the poker on the side, I eventually got myself in a place where I felt comfortable. And I then from the time I quit my job to the time that I launched my website was six or eight months. I remember I wanted to write five good articles to have up there. I wanted to do a handful of, of other things, you know, getting the website actually set up. But so from from idea to launch was close to three years, which is way too long, <laughs> which is about two years and 364 days too long. <laughs> like if I, I understand my reasoning around, uh, around having enough savings to feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and for myself, I didn't want to do, you know, like the 9 PM to two in the morning, like work on the side. I'm I'm kind of a big burn the boats guy and I wanted to like put that like behind me <laughs> and you know put myself in a completely vulnerable position where I had to fight for it. Um I didn't want any kind of backup plan, but I still should have moved faster than I did. Man, I never heard that story. That was great. Yeah, I've never been asked that question. I love that. I guess my I was in a very different situation. Um very different from the perspective of I didn't know that I was starting it. So when I, in July of 2011, I was training at Westside Barbell. And uh, like, you, like you, I was very influenced by JC Dean. And when I was at Westside, 
I started to get traction from people being like, oh my God, like you're at Westside. That's when Westside, everyone was like obsessed with Westside and Louis Simmons and no one really knew what they were doing there. And so I remember on Facebook chat, JC Dean was like, yo man, where are you? And I was like, Westside. He's like, what? He's like, you're at Westside? He's like, and literally his next response was, we need to get you a website. And I was like, I don't know how to do that. I was 21 years old. Can, can I interrupt? Yeah. How old were you when you interned with Stacy Shadler? I started at 14 and I did that all through high school. Okay. Yeah. I my mind almost goes goes back to there. Yeah, so, you know, it's semantics, but yeah, like the idea for the site or like I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess I mean, I knew I wanted to be a coach from when I was in high school. I got my first internship at a gym when I was 14 and uh I remember actually, I remember when Stacy, she was one of my mentors at the gym. She's Stacy Shadler. She's amazing. You look it up on Instagram. Uh, I remember when she started her first blog when I was interning there. She started a blog. And I remember she was the first person I ever, I ever heard say progress, not perfection. And I don't mm. know if she made it up, but it was like 2006. And I had <laughs> never heard anybody say it before. Uh-huh. And uh, her blog was called Progress, Not Perfection. Oh, and, cool. Um, that was the name of the blog? Yeah. That was the name of it. Respect. And I remember like she would write blogs and articles and I was like, oh, that's cool. But online coaching wasn't a thing then. Online coaching did not exist. It was never a thought in my mind. I just knew I wanted to be a coach. Yeah. Okay. And that's where I spent the vast majority of my time. But in terms of, of starting my own online business, it, it started, I was coaching people in person. I was powerlifting. I was, I was a, I was a freshman in college going into my sophomore year. And um, JC was like, we got to get you a website. And I was like, I don't know how to do that. And then an hour later, he emailed me the the um, login, no, the login information, my my username, my password for my new website that she created, sciatfitness.com. And, um, and it was actually interesting because he was like, jordansciat.com is taken because he wanted to do jordansciat.com. And I remembered, so I wasn't speaking with my father. But he had bought jordansciat.com years earlier. He was like, just in case. Mm. And I wasn't speaking with him, so I wasn't going to ask him for the log information. So I was like, all right, let's just do Sciat Fitness. So we made sciatfitness.com. And uh, and now I own jordansciat.com. Got it years later. But um, And then I was like, what do I do? And he was like, just write. Just make good content that helps people. That was it. And that's how it started. And I, from that moment, from the day that he sent me my website, I started writing that week and I wrote one article a week every week for years. And that was literally it, which is just like, it's funny. A lot of people talk about like launching your website and like you need to have a big launch. And I think it gets in people's heads. It's like when you first start, the the people who are going to see the launch of your website are like your Facebook friends yep. and like your friends and family. And like that, like don't make a big deal out of the launch of your website. My website was awful. It was terrible. It looked awful. I used a free template from WordPress. Um, it was really, really bad, but I just started writing. So I, fr- the idea wasn't even mine for my own online business. Like it wasn't even, I remember I, wa- reading other people and watching other people, but it wasn't in my mind. I wasn't like, I want an online business. Like yeah. It just wasn't that it, I didn't even know it existed yet. So it was really just because JC Dean was like, all right, I'm going to get you a website. And it was a hundred percent. If it was, if JC Dean didn't buy my domain and send it to me, I wouldn't have it. So I really owe that to him. And then him saying, right. And then I just wrote every week. That's awesome. Yeah. 
It's that, it's that simple. I mean, and we talk, Mike mentioned earlier is like, you don't need a huge audience in order to have a successful online business. Uh, one of the questions we get a lot is, is pertaining to, um, like, well, how much money, like, do you need to make in order to be successful? It's like, that's, that's up to you. Some people, some people will only do this as more of a side job. Like they don't need an entire, um, uh, their whole income just from this. If that's the case, maybe only 10 or 15 clients, it'll be plenty. Yeah. Right. And like, maybe, maybe you want your entire income from this, in which case maybe closer to 30, 40 or 50 clients. But like, either way, if you have a thousand followers on Instagram, like that's plenty. Yeah. <laughs> that is plenty of people. More than enough. Yeah. I, I, people get really focused on the the huge numbers for social media. You don't need that to have a successful online coaching business. Correct. One one cool thing too is the longer you coach, the less you need that odd uh I want to be careful. I want to be accurate about how I phrase this. The longer you coach, the more people you coach, the less important growing your audience is mm-hmm. for the purpose of your coaching business. Mm-hmm. You can yeah. do other things with that audience, obviously. But um, you know, personally, I'm shocked that I don't have to make content right now and that I get <laughs> as many coaching applications, signups from referrals, uh, people who come across articles I wrote in 2013, 14, 15, 16, YouTubes I made in, in that era as well. Um, old clients who, you know, we had an amazing time together and they're like, hey, I got a wedding, I got whatever, you know, I had two kids in the last few years, got lazy with it, want to get back on it. The amount of that. Yeah. Which which just shows you how important hard, consistent work early on is mm. um, because it really does build a, a, an incredibly sturdy foundation for your future business if you choose to continue to pursue it or, or, you know, are still passionate about it. It also, I'm going to tell a story that you told me years ago when we like, when we first started hanging out, but it also really highlights the importance of if someone decides to leave coaching with you, number one, understanding it's not necessarily because you did anything bad. And number two, make sure you foster that relationship as much as you can and end on a good note. I remember you telling me years ago that if someone ended coaching with you, oftentimes you'd send them an extra training program to send them off. You'd be like, hey, cool. But like, just here's another one just in case, like yeah. an extra month of programming for free. Yeah. And then they'll, they often come back, whether it's a month later, six months later, two years later, where a lot of coaches might get offended and be like, oh, really? Like, all right, we're done, fine, whatever. And they'll get mad. They won't respond to the final email, whatever it is. It's like, man, if you end on a good note, that person could refer people to you. You, like, you always send the last email. You always, you know, let them know if they have any questions, they can come back to you. They don't mm-hmm. need to sign up to ask you questions. You're always there. Like you always are are the one closing that interaction. There's no reason to to end on a bitter or resentful note. That's a that's a scarcity mindset. Um and and that's awesome that you remember me telling you that. I forgot that. Um <laughs> I, I still do do it sometimes and i never did it with every client right i did it with the clients who uh i thought would one like were actually working hard mm-hmm. you know because you have clients who cancel who you're pretty sure you're like okay for the last few months i don't know if they've been working out or not 
Like, really? Yeah, of course. You're like, I don't think they did one workout. Yeah. And, and you have other, <laughs> those, those two, you have those who might've fallen off and you have those who might never have gotten really going. But you also have clients who you know are like somewhat devastated about stopping coaching, yeah. but they have to for some reason. And, and they're worried about, you know, continuing. They have questions in their head about continuing. It's like, look, First of all, you give them the options. You can cycle back through these. You can, uh, I would give a handful of recommendations on programs I like, both free and like low cost programs. Um, but here's another one for the road. I know you're going to mm-hmm. get good use out of it. Like I've really appreciated you. Get it. Yeah. The number of times I had clients who say, hey, listen, I'm really sorry. Like I can't afford this right now. And I would say, listen, then I'm just going to coach you for free until you can afford it. And they would freak out. They'd be like, send, they'd call me or send me a voice memo crying. It's like, and then a month, two, three months would go by. They'd be like, all right, I can start paying again. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I think a lot of coaches fall prey to the the fitness guru mastermind of like never coach people for free. Never, like they can afford it. They always can. If they say they can't, then they're just lying or not prioritizing. I'm like, man, you really have some skewed ideas of people's financial situations. And But like, yeah. You can't obviously can't take everyone on for free, but if you've been working with someone for six months and like they have a, a hard time financially, it's like there's nothing wrong with giving them a free month or two or three of coaching. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Jordan. Michael. And Mike. <laughs> I picked a fun one. Okay. All right. Or maybe not so fun. Oh God. <laughs> Michael do this thing where where like if I'm going to see him the next day, he'll call me and be like, oh man, I got the craziest story to tell. I'll be like, what? He'll be like, I'll tell you when I see you. <laughs> <laughs> the third question we were asked, are people inappropriate in your DMs? Oh, absolutely. And do they objectify you? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I know they do to you. That's for sure. <laughs> I know they do to you because we've shared stories about this. And it's, uh, I mean, look, I want to answer every question on this list. So we threw it on there. It's also something that is so under discussed. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Do you want to start? You start. All right, I'll start. (laughs) I've seen more breasts, vaginas, (laughs) and penises. On Snapchat, then, then I have any interest in seeing and and more of it there historically. Yeah, unsolicited from strangers. Um, so that's like a that's like a you know real intense version of this. And and by the way, I will take seven percent blame because there I can understand the confusion around like seeing someone who is posting progress pictures and posting like shirtless pictures consistently, I can see someone's confusion and how that like gets blurred and- uh, Well, not to send you naked pictures. (laughs) Okay. You're like, here's my asshole. (laughs) (laughs) I saw your progress pictures. What do you think of my gooch? (laughs) Um, Yeah, you're right. You're right. There's like a a step down from that, which is just blatant, uh, you know, flirting. I guess you would call it in in Instagram DMs. Um, it, yeah, there's 
I mean, I've been objectified in my DMs, like the question was asked, and also like, you know, cat calls on a beach or <laughs> or things of that nature. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, I think, yeah, I've definitely been Instagram a lot. Objectified, uh, hit on. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Um, it's not something I really feel the need to discuss or make content around, but uh, but yeah, I think I think for people to know, absolutely, it, it happens. You know, and I basically when it happens, I either ignore it or block them. Or there was one time, this was funny. There was one time, no, this happened twice, where I was getting naked pictures from people, and they they were on the like the. I wasn't, I didn't follow them. So when they they would send it to me and they couldn't see that I read it. Right. So they're on like the other account, mm -hmm. like the other uh, message thread. Yep. Yep. And I would see it and I saw them coming in. And what I did is I, I went to their page and I saw on their page that number one, they didn't have a private profile. So I could look through their page and I could see, I could see who they tagged in their pictures and saw that they had their parents in their pictures. I saw like where they worked in their pictures. And so then I, I wrote them a message back and I was like, Hey, are you the so-and-so that lives in this town and works at this place? And like, are, these are your parents' names. And they freaked out. And I was like, listen, I'm not going to do anything. It was more my way of just saying like, you probably shouldn't be sending people pictures like this online because you like everyone can find everything they want to know about you. <laughs> So they were like, I was like, someone could send this to whatever. They were like, all right, super sorry, won't happen again. You taught a real lesson that day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, it was sort of fun, but like, yeah. I mean, it happens, but I'm not, you know, I'm not offended by it. Like, I'm not like, oh, how dare you? <laughs> I'm more just like, yeah, these people are really bored. <laughs> or, or have a weird strategy for, uh, for procuring new mates, or, <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit odd, but it is what it is. I get tilted. <laughs> I'm like, I'm in here banging the DMs. I haven't banged the DMs in a while. But I'm in here banging the DMs, trying to help people with their fitness. And I got you in here. I get a little self-righteous surrounded. All right, we'll move on to question four. Should I post weekly blogs on my website? Even if I dislike writing, it feels like a chore. What do you think, Jay? I'm going to rephrase the question <laughs> into a question that maybe your clients might ask you. Can I see it? I'm going to, I'm going to try and rephrase it as accurately as possible. Yeah, that fourth one. Okay. Question was, should I post weekly blogs on my website? Even if I dislike writing, it feels like a chore. I'm going to ask, should I eat vegetables every week? Even if I dislike vegetables, it feels like a chore. It's like, yes, Absolutely. Um, I think Mike and I have been unbelievably clear. And if you haven't listened to our podcast before, go through and listen that website articles, blogs are the single most underrated and most important piece of content that any online coach can make. And anyone who wants to make an online presence, it's like, especially if you want to have a sustainable online business, online coaching business, website articles are going to be the foundation of your success. And this is actually... Mike was saying just a few minutes ago how he is shocked that even though he hasn't made content in a long time, that he hasn't been posting on Instagram or anything, he still gets coaching requests. He still gets people filling out forms. And one of the main reasons, if not the main reason, is because he has people finding his articles from years ago. 
because of Google search engine optimization. Same thing with me now. One of the single, with the, arguably the single greatest reason people sign up for the inner circle is because they find my website. Not because of Instagram, not because of YouTube. Yes, those things help, but because they find my website from Google. So yes, if you're wondering whether or not you should write articles for your website, the answer is a, is a resounding yes. And the interesting thing is this. It might feel like a chore now because maybe you don't have many people reading it and maybe you haven't done it much yet and because it's a difficult skill that you need to learn how to develop, but see how you feel after doing 12 really well-written articles. See how you feel after doing it for two years. Odds are, in the same way that fitness might be really difficult and feel like a chore when you don't know what to do and you've never done it and it's hard to see the progress, but once you start doing it for a while, you start to see the progress, you start to learn the technique, you start to understand your schedule, it becomes something that you enjoy and you look forward to. Same thing with this. It's like, yes, do it. Absolutely. Yeah. We we both see eye to eye on the fact that the website is the most important place for a variety of reasons. It's one of the few that captures SEO. Um, it's also the only one that you have, I won't say complete control over, right? Because I guess your host could like boot you technically mm, or, or something that. like that. Yeah. But, but the most 99.99, yes, there's, there's no chance of like, you know, algo changes, deplatforming, like uh, a host of things that can happen, um, popularity changing from one, one uh, you know, means of communication to another um, or from one like, you know, social media network to another. Uh, the thing about writing, because there's a variety of skills in life where, you know, someone could say, I'm not good at that and I don't like it. And you could say, okay, well then you don't have to do it. Yeah. Like golf. Like golf. That's a great example. You don't example. like golf? Don't do golf. Don't do golf. Unless you want to be a professional golfer, then you got to do golf. <laughs> <laughs> Bowling. Like there, there are a lot of these. Writing is... Cricket. No, writing's not cricket. No, I'm saying like oh, all these, okay. I'm still on the uh, <laughs> skills you don't have to develop if you don't like. <laughs> Tons. Professional eating. Tons. Yeah. Writing is... Good writing is good <laughs> thinking. It's clear communication. Mm. And... Writing isn't just for your website. Writing is for Instagram captions. Writing is for YouTube descriptions. Writing is for uh, writing scripts for talks or for videos or for uh, other forms of content. Writing is for expressing your ideas. Writing is for email marketing. Like in the realm of writing is for communicating effectively with your clients and efficiently with your clients. Becoming a better writer benefits you in so many ways that it not being a strength um, shouldn't be enough to deter you. Now, I'll go, I'll go the opposite. Let's say you are a superstar, public speaker, extrovert, hyperactive, like <laughs> you can just go. Um, do you want to focus your attention on, on maybe video and audio and live events and other, other places rather than the written word? Sure, but if that's you, then finding a way, whether it's through a, whether it's hiring an employee or some kind of part-time contractor or, you know, having your little sister who's out of work kind of like take things you've said and put them into, into, uh, written articles, like find a way to make sure those articles are created. Yeah. And, and by the way, I'm speaking to one in, 
one in 20,000 with that last little bird. Right. For most people, the advice that we gave, which is eat your vegetables. Like you're not, you're not going to get all your micronutrients from a pill and then just eat ice cream all day. You, you actually brought up a really good point, which I sort of want to go off on, which is writing is everything. And I think one of the things that really people overlook is the, like, how do you think you're going to do a launch? For a coaching program, you think you're just like, how are they going to know about it? You're going to have to write about it, whether it's an Instagram caption or in an email on your website, wherever you're going to tell people at your launch, you're going to write it. And if you think that you're that you're just going to all of a sudden write well in order to try and sell people on your program without having written much before, you're out of your mind. Yeah. It's like when people are like, oh yeah, I'm going to just like try and max out on my deadlift when you haven't even deadlifted before. It's like you have to build and build and practice and lift and go through reps and go through reps. Practicing and writing articles, writing articles, writing articles, writing articles. That's what's going to help you become a better writer for when you eventually sell people on your coaching program. It's uh, it, it, You have to develop it. It's just, it's essential. Not to mention, talking about control, it's the piece of content that you have the most control over. Mm-hmm. And not just in terms of the platform and not just, in, but like, Instagram, you're limited to how many characters you can use. Twitter, you're limited to how many characters you can use. Uh, Facebook, you can use as many characters as you want, but I think by nature of the platform, people will often not read a very long post. Um, YouTube, there, there's no writing on it. It's video. Podcast, there's no writing on it. It's just audio. When you're writing a long-form article, you can take as long as you want to edit that thing, make it as clear and as concise and articulate and as informative as you want. You don't have to publish it immediately. You could take a day, you could take a week, you could take a month, you could take six months to write the article. You have complete control over how long it is, how short it is, how informative it is, what you include in it, what links you put in it, what videos you put in it. It's like it is. you get the most control, the most practice, the most benefit out of that than you do any other piece of content. Yeah. Yeah. That was a great podcast. That was good. I loved the Q&A. Yeah. Good energy, good questions, good to be live. Yeah. I think we'll have some more live ones coming. You just got here, but... Maybe we'll do one tomorrow and just bank it. Could be. Could be. We got a, a Q&A tomorrow. For got the a call, call with Tracy who won the May challenge. Oh, for yeah. The Congrats, Tracy. Shout out, Tracy. Um yeah, this this is really fun. Really good questions. Thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, we would very much appreciate a review, a rating. Five stars would be great. One stars if you hated it. Five stars. Five stars would be great. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. Everyone have a great day. Have a good one.